right. Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Leaders podcast with Dr. Jennifer Churchill. I am being I am joined by Nick Kastner, my amazing podcast producer, coach, everything extraordinaire. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Churchill, the I'm, I'm coaching the executive coach, so it, it, it's a unique position. Um, but I am so happy we're hitting record. We have a name for the podcast finally, Happy Healthy Leader, and we're live. The the red record button is lit, and we're going. Well, I'm excited to dive in with you today. How have you been this week? I have been um, I've been good, busy. It was just another one. I so this is a, a side gig for me, and I work for a, a media podcast startup um, as my day job. So you know, very fast paced environment, and I just had one of those weeks where things were stacked stacked on top of one another. Um, so, so I'm I'm ready for the weekend. We are recording this on a Friday. I'm really excited to record an episode with you, Nick. And this is, I believe, would be first of many that we'll do together going forward um, amongst some other guest episodes as well as some solo episodes. But there's something going to be unique about this about this. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, we have some exciting stuff in store. And I think you have such a valuable perspective to share that, that you have shared a lot, you know, on those one-on-one coaching calls with those um, the, those executives for some of the largest companies in the world that, that, that you're working with. Um, but so to kind of kick things off, the happy, healthy leader is the name of this show. Um, why, why that name? I am so glad that you asked me that question today because I have been asked that question many times in the last few weeks about what my purpose is. What, why do I love to do what I do? And why do I do it? The outcome of the podcast title goes back to my why, essentially. And I can go back to a couple moments in my life, professionally and also personally, that tie everything together in the title. And one of them that I think I'll initially share is when I was finishing my PhD in counseling psychology I was working as an outpatient therapist in a clinical setting, working with kids um, from the age of two and up, actually, really young to um, a variety of ages, who are separated from their primary caregivers, usually their parents, their biological parents, due to um, domestic violence um, and abuse, physical abuse. So it was an intense experience. And I, while I really um, valued the experience and believed I was good at it, it was, um, it was not, I, there was something more that I wanted to do with my career that that kind of environment and setting didn't allow me to do. And I still wasn't clear on what I would, would end up doing. But that moment, there was a moment where I was reuniting a two-year-old with her mom and and another therapist was working with her mother. And it was one of those moments that just solidified, There's, I want to have more impact. I want to have more impact than in this setting. Um, I think a lot of clinicians provide a lot of care and um, valued treatment. And while I, while I felt that experience too, I, there's, there's just kind of a bigger picture intervention I wanted to make. And I wasn't sure what it was until later when I was reading the Wall Street Journal, uh, which, which I did for fun. Um, growing up with my dad, he would sit us down and say, which words do you not know on the front page and look them up in the dictionary? So it's essentially how I developed a vocabulary really early on. 
But I then really enjoyed starting to understand the stories in the Wall Street Journal. And one day in my clinical work, I read an article on organizational psychology. And I said, what is this? Like, I just knew like it was going to be my thing. And so through um, the research I was doing at the time and the formative experiences, I knew I wanted to have an impact on people's lives through how happy or healthy they were at work. And that all starts with leadership and um, leadership from a lot of different angles, whether it's individual leadership, culture, um, you know, different aspects of uh, wellness program programs, whatever it may be. So essentially, all of that kind of came together in my purpose statement of, um, you know, I help organizations develop happy, healthy leaders to create happier and healthier workplaces. Ideally, to create happier and healthier people walking around the world, which then hopefully leads to happier and healthier homes and happier and healthier parents who can then ultimately raise children that don't have to recover from their childhood. (laughs) So I know it's super grandiose in terms of a purpose statement or my why, if you will, but it's how I stay connected to everything I do every day is ultimately that end outcome of taking care of the children in our world through creating um, happy and healthier leaders. So hence the title of the show and why it really matters to me. Yes. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful mission and um, building that why I think is so important and something as as our voices may suggest, we're at very different points in our career. And that that component is something that, you know, both myself and a lot of people my age are, are looking to build for for themselves and really, really answer that question. But I do think that's a topic for another episode. Um, but why, why a podcast? And then why right now? Not only do I want to add value in a lot of different ways, not only through my coaching work, but bringing relevant content that ideally has a different perspective than what you might hear on other shows around what strong leadership is, what it means to me, and what our world needs now more than ever in terms of having healthier leaders from all, from all dom- in all domains, if you will, not from even just a psychological awareness perspective, which leads to better communication, but from a health perspective and why all the components of being healthy contribute to being a better leader, but also from an emotional perspective as well, and a spiritual perspective. I mean, that's something that's very individually important to me, and um, combining all of those those aspects together leads to a much more holistic approach to development. And so why now is... There's a couple aspects to that question. Uh, one is I've always wanted to kind of leave a leave something behind, if you will, or create a legacy of my own through publishing, writing, whatnot. And it's never n- nothing is really stuck. Um, you know, I just was not a natural writer growing up, even though you know I went to a lot of school. <laughs> Um, I would say it's not my strongest skill set. Um, I can do it, but it's it's laborious for me. So when pod, I mean podcasting is a different platform that I thought, let's try this. Maybe I will feel more drawn to it. And I think it's while it's 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 causing a lot of 
of my insecurities to come up. Let's say um, I wasn't a great public speaker growing up either, but I became better at it because I did it more for my for my work. I had to, but I would say the thing about podcasting is there's so much. I believe authentic storytelling that you have a capability to capture than let's say in a written form. And there's and it's also so much more accessible than let's say sitting down and writing a book or or reading a book if you will, then so I want I, I mean and I I want people I want to provide more value to more people with just my perspective and my point of view. And I think that's what I'm hoping to to really develop more with this show is to create more of a fresh for just a very different perspective of what strong leadership, sustainable leadership for our world now needs to look like. Um, It's not enough to be psychologically aware. I think you have to be psychologically aware to be a good leader, but it's not enough anymore. And I think that we need to be healthier in a lot of different ways. So that is why, why, why the podcast and why now? Right now, yeah, and the um, the scalability, I'm I am excited to ramp up and really see 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 where the where this takes us. Um, you mentioned the even like psychologically aware, um, and I, your science your science based approach to this is so fascinating. I think is really going to like set us apart from from um, from the other shows like in in this category. Um, but what what are some of the most underestimated leadership skills that people need to leverage more now? Yes. I mean, while I referenced psychological awareness, that's almost a basic skill that is needed now for strong, sustainable leadership to be even at a higher level and also to serve people in a more effective, compassionate manner is to be healthy from a physical physical perspective. And so I... My, in my perspective, the most underestimated skill, leadership skill that we have to tap into more is sleep. Like, and, and all of the, and all sleep and sleep hygiene and all of the different aspects that go into being rested and renewed. And we have so much more science and resources available to us to understand how sleep contributes not only to our mental health and well-being, our clarity of mind, but metabolic health and not I'm not talking about, you know, from a weight perspective, but me- how metabol- metabolic health actually contributes to being able to communicate better, to have more sustainable leadership throughout the day. Our leaders are being asked to do so much more with so much less in every category. And when we are healthy in a lot, in all of those ways that I just mentioned, and there's so much more there that I, that I, I could keep going and creating a list around why, what sleep impacts from a leadership perspective, we have to be looking at our impact and influence from all of these angles to be more, to be able to show up more for our people, but also to be making better decisions. And I, I think about one specific example related to that is creating inclusive workforces is something that is extremely important. And we have to be, have clarity of mind to know that if we're thinking from a biased perspective, um, what lens and angle are we looking at? Um, Are we able to be rested enough to say I'm wrong 
a lot of that goes into a lot of other conversations. I mean, we could, all of this stuff I said is going to be in up like individual episodes, right? But I would say the foundation of doing all of that is sleep. Where's a good place to start on that? I, first off, I did not expect the like inclusivity and belonging conversation to be weaved into sleep. I definitely never thought of that before. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, where is the, um, besides getting eight hours, you know, like the, the PSA of like getting eight hours, but what's the, um, where's a good place to start? If, Cause I, I, even personal, um, like point of view, I have just, uh, I've struggled to sleep and I do think these like high intensity, um, high impact leaders, it, it can be difficult to wind down after, you know, being so intense throughout the day. What's a good, like first chapter to, to write there if if that is something that, that, Hmm. that someone needs to focus on. Well, there's two ways I'll respond to that one from, um, I would like to give a nod to Andrew Huberman from the Huberman lab where our, our evenings, our sleep starts in the morning, getting a good night's rest actually begins that morning. And there's a lot of different tools that, I mean, and these are all things that I've adopted into my own life and my own personal journey around health, which I know we'll get into on many other episodes, but your good night's rest, your ability to sleep well and deeply throughout the night begins in the morning. We can go into that a little bit more if you like, but I, but what I want to do is give someone like give people who are listening to this right now, this clip, something to do like an actual tool that they can use, um, or something to try or shift. And so sleep, you know, we have to like, when I think about, you know, making good decisions, it requires, it requires, um, our brain energy to be at full capacity. One way you can sleep better is to manage your glucose levels more productively throughout the day. There's a lot of really great scientific tools that can help you monitor that. Um, you know, I use a, I use a continuous glucose monitor every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then to just check in on what spikes my glucose and like something that's interesting. We think like, you know, eating sugary foods, it obviously spikes your glucose working out actually spikes your glucose. So managing your glucose around your workouts. The thing that is underestimated that impacts our glucose is high pressure situations. So giving presentations, being in high, high pressure meetings that require a lot of decision-making like important decision-making to be made. And our brain's will burn glucose more in those moments. So we want to have a good reserve of glucose um, that is produced and renewed from a full night of sleep. So one way to do that is actually just to not eat sugary foods before you go to bed. Because when you go to sleep, your glucose actually spikes later in the evening and it wakes you up. You know, and like every anything that might trigger your glucose spikes. So the idea of having more managed glucose levels and that's what I mean by metabolic health. It, like I'm not, I'm not talking about weight loss. I'm not talking about managing your weight. I'm talking about managing your glucose to impact your performance in these decision-making situations. So sleep contributes to managing that um, more productively and efficiently than really anything else, actually. So that's why sleep is one of the most, in my opinion, the most underestimated leadership skill because it helps us have more energy throughout the day when we're in those intense types of leadership moments that matter. Yeah. Amazing. I, I didn't even think about the, um, the, 
how it drains both for both exercise and working out as well as the meetings and presentations. Um, mm -hmm. That is fascinating. So even like that, that is a very specific example, but even zooming right. in and there's so much like that even warrants its own, its, its own episode. Like sleep could be a, a freaking three-part series down the line. Um, but mm -hmm. zooming out as we like, you know, talk about leadership more broadly. Um, yes. We are definitely in an interesting like moment in time that, you know, people compared to like the sixties and they're like, this is, you know, a historic decade we're, we're living through. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges leaders face both this upcoming year and then in, in the next say three years? I think people have fatigue around this concept, but, or, or talking about it because I, I am finding that many of my leaders aren't attending to the discussion as much as they were in the last two years. Um, that, and they actually need to be, I raised the topic emphatically more and more with them even this year, because no one knows what to do yet about hybrid working. <laughs> and, and I use, I read an article, I can't take credit for this. I use the, I use the term hybrid working intentionally because we're not actually doing hybrid work. I mean, hybrid work means that we're doing two things simultaneously at the same time. But what we're talking about is doing work in two different situations. So it's really like hybrid working versus, I mean, two different contexts, if you will. I want to just get people used to saying that more rather than hybrid work. It's, it's, it's not a thing. Working is a verb. Yeah, it's a verb. Working. We're hybrid working. And, and so continuing to keep the conversation alive, I think is really important, um, even though a lot of leaders have some fatigue around it and just really want to focus on their business goals. Um, even just this morning, I was talking to two leaders. One happens to be sitting in Paris and one is in the Boston office and they, um, one is the direct report to the other. And the, the theme of the conversation around the individual's development that I'll be coaching is really around communication and impact and influence. And I kind of kept waiting for that one of them to talk about the obvious elephant in the room of it's hard in the, in this virtual environment and they didn't bring it up. And, and so I raised the topic of just even in this moment now, we have to talk about that we're all sitting in three different places and we're missing out on so much information from the neck down that not, not only from a body language perspective, but also from an energetic perspective to just even being able to be in the room with people. So she wants to continue to have elevated leadership presence through, you know, better communication, impact and influence, just even being more explicit around what are some challenges that we face doing this virtually for the foreseeable future. And it needs to be talked about because not only from an actual strategic perspective, but also from a relational perspective, we cannot replicate oxytocin release over a screen. And that's how we feel connected to people. That's how we understand and build trust is through that, you know, through that oxytocin release and connection between two people, two, two real physical bodies, right? So it's how it's, the, it's increasing the importance of how we use language and being more explicit around what the challenges are and not ignoring it. So that's the, that's the thing that I'm, I'm constantly going to be bringing up with my clients and not letting them ignore because they have a whole global 
pool of employees that need to understand how to do it better. Not just the two people I'm on the coaching call with on Zoom, but how they're doing it with the thousands of people in India, Asia, the United States, South America, and being more explicit about it. So that's, I think, still the, I think still the ultimate challenge when it comes to how we, how we work and how people lead. Yes. And I also love, I think it's a safe assumption that it's here to, it's here to stay, you know, like yeah. we're, we're, we're not going to be able to wind, wind the clock back. Um, mm-hmm. So both acknowledging it is the first step you mentioned, it, but then uh, hopping on a plane, seems like a solution, but is there, a, is there a more cost effective solution than Yes. Yes. Our, our good friend, Nick wrote an article in the Atlantic last week, Arthur Brooks, um, called on being, you know, future episode. Um, yes, we'll review his book and then we'll have him on as a guest and, or I'll be his guest. And, um, so he wrote an article. Yes. He wrote an article in the Atlantic on, um, how we've become really good at being lonely, like the, this, what tragedy, this like pandemic, this, um, big historical event that we've lived through is the first time in history that he could identify from his, you know, anthropological and social research is where a community didn't come together after the fact, we're still allowing ourselves to be more isolated than rather us coming, like coming back together fully. And this is even relevant to outside of work. You know, individuals are still a little bit more hesitant to be around people in bigger, in larger social settings, et cetera. I want to bring it back. I want to bridge it back to leadership, but we also underestimate how lonely people are when we're even on, on zoom with them and just to actually slow down and ask and in a way that feels authentic and a way that actually gets a real answer from someone and say, how are you doing really? And I think that is a leader's, leader's responsibility to know if an employee is feeling alone and or, you know, even at risk of, you know, being depressed. You know, I think, I think that there, I mean, we're so afraid to ask because we, like, I think every individual kind of is struggling with it in their own way. Even if you have a partner at home, I think you can still be lonely. It depends on, that is something that I feel like is going to be even more important in my work that I do with the leaders that I work with is allowing them to slow down even for 30 seconds to a minute to really know rather than diving into the tactical items on why they're meeting and just say, did you get out of the house today? Did you go for a walk? Tell me what you did to take care of yourself. How are you doing? How are you feeling? That matters so much, you know? So that's another aspect of it from a leadership perspective. I think that we have, but then from not only, so that's the output from a leader, but I also really want leaders to think about how they're doing that for themselves and where they're garnering support if they feel lonely and isolated, even if they're around people. So it's a lot that I think that we have on our plates in terms of taking care of each other from a self-compassionate perspective, but also compassion for others that this hybrid workforce, hybrid working here to stay forever is going to continue to impact in ways that we don't know yet. Yes. And the, um, the perspectives of the generation that's starting their career compared to the one that's leading it, those two generations look on mental health is so vastly different. 
And again, mm-hmm. warrants warrants an episode in its own right. Um, yes, but it's the importance will continue to to grow. So I love um, I, lo- I love that message, and then it also made me reflect on on myself and all my direct reports. Like, oh my gosh, I need to start checking. Like, even even the how how are you doing? Really, that it's easy to start a Zoom call and then dive right into the agenda. You know. So the other, let me give you a a a, a tip on that because I think that it can be overwhelming to ask. How are you doing really? There's a way that you can bring a little bit of lightness to it, but still accomplish the same goal is, all right, we're going to check in with each other at the beginning of each meeting and just say, like, we're going to each ask each other, how are you doing really? And okay and fine are not, not good enough or not answers, you know? So what other word can you use to describe how you're doing today and allow it to be, and it just slows things down. You know, um, and someone could say, tired, I'm tired. Did you sleep okay last night? You know, what might be impacting your, how you're resting, things like that. Just even kind of like you, they may not, it may not go very far, but what that does is it allows people to feel cared for. That's all that, that, that just knowing that you feel cared for, for in it, from an authentic perspective, helps lessen loneliness. You may not help them have a new solution. But the, the reality is what you want people to feel more than en- than ever is that they're cared for. That's it. You don't have to find a problem, find a solution for why they're not sleeping well. Um, and, and like a very basic human level, people want a want to love and respect others, but then feel love and respected in, in, in return. And mm-hmm. I think that, mm-hmm. that summarizes it beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Jennifer, as we round up, episode, the first episode of this pod, any other parting thoughts? I, I, I feel like we've laid the groundwork, set, set a solid stage for the speed to come. Yes. I, I want to just point something out that you did during our time today that highlights why I'm excited to do more of these podcast episodes with you is that you and I are in very different places in our, let's say, pr- pr- professional path, if you will, from um, not only from like just years and working, but also from age perspective, <laughs> because someone could be my age and have not worked a lot either, but <laughs> right. So yeah, you're yeah. early on in your, uh, early on in your career, but also you're, um, you know, you're two, you're 20 years younger than I am. So is that right? Yeah, yes. So don't I, say how old, don't okay. say how old you are. Don't. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll I, leave a question mark. We'll, we'll be dodgy about it. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, a, I think it's, you know, shy of two decades or something. Right. So that makes you very young, Nick Kastner. Um, <laughs> this is one of those blooper moments that we get to cut out later, um, or keep it in, whatever is that you're right. When it comes to things that we'll talk about, you will have such a fresh, unique, and also extremely informed. I mean, you are, you're very well read and like, and you are constantly, I know that you just like a ravenous for information. So I know that you bring a lot to the table in these conversations in the sense that um, I think it's helpful for our listeners to hear both perspectives. And so I'm, I'm excited to have more of those layers in our like episodes together that um, I think only contributes to why I want to do this podcast. I want to provide a different perspective on what people think about leadership from all angles. So I just want to wrap it up there in terms of gratitude for you 
um, that I'm doing this. I'm on this journey with you and get to have you involved in it as well. Likewise, uh, this project has been so fulfilling even before, you know, this is the first, uh, first episode we've, we've finished and I'm, I feel good about, and I sense that you may be feeling good about it as well. Um, but already, this has been so so fulfilling, and I, I look forward for that, that to continue in the episodes to come. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Do you want to take us out? Uh, yes, of course. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Happy Healthy Leader. Um, wherever you're listening, especially if it's on Spotify and Apple, please leave us a five-star review as it supports the show. Um, this show is hosted by Dr. Jennifer Churchill, produced by yours truly, Nick Kastner, and edited by Kyle Kua. We drop episodes, I think, weekly is what we've decided, but more episodes are to come, so hit follow and subscribe so you don't miss out.